amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now. And with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall. And if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? They're fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball. Not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 145. It's Friday, Friday, May 27th, 2016, and we are here to give you the lowdown on what's going on in the conference finals. It's getting heated. You got teams on the brink of elimination. You got some games that are coming up this weekend that are going to be intense, and game sixes galore and potential game sevens if they were to co- coexist. On a Memorial Day weekend, and I can guarantee you this will be a memorable weekend in the NBA. Again, welcome on into episode 145. My name is Simo Buckets, Chris Morrison. If you'd like to not call me formally, the phone number in the SeatGeek studios is, is in the CLNS radio studios for SeatGeek. The phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number. And, and we also had some awards given out. Obviously, the all-defense team was was handed out on, I believe, Wednesday, and the All-NBA team was handed out yesterday. I got a lot of problems with the All-NBA team. Uh, not massive problems. I'd say they're more, I call them first-world problems, problems that could be dealt with. Uh, but they're problems nonetheless, problems that when you look at it, they're kind of, eh, you got to be like, you got to kind of question the media. And, and usually you can tell what the, uh, what the purpose was behind the voting when you see who votes and who is voted for when it comes to the uh, all-NBA teams. And and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit after we talk about the Game 5s that happened over the last couple of days. Some other rumors off the court, some signings, some new coaching, a bunch of things, bunch of crazy things coming down, and a bunch of new things starting to get started here in the NBA. But again, we are here uh, we, we are here to talk about what happened in these games fives and, and let's get it started. Kevin Hart, where are you at? I see you. Are you ready for Memorial day? Kevin Hart? Are you ready? I see your new movie, Kevin Hart. I see it coming out with the rock. I know what's coming out. Hey, get, get in here and, ju- and just start the show off. Kevin, what do you say? Let's get all right. All right. All right. We're going to learn today. Let's recap these games real quick. Let's recap game fives in the Eastern and Western conference from the last two days, 
uh, first of all, let's start off with the with, with the with the terrible game. The first one, which was on on Wednesday, we talked about how this was a must win for the Cavs from the standpoint of legacy, and they more than delivered. This game was over at halftime. I mean, the Cavs are up thirty-seven to nineteen at the end of the first quarter. They then outscore the the Raptors twenty-eight to fifteen in the second quarter. It was domination. I mean, the Cavs absolutely flat out destroyed the Raptors. I turned it off at halftime. There was no point in watching. LeBron was dishing it out, dominating in the way he normally does. And uh, the Raptors just flat out looked like the team they, that they were in game one and game two. Uh, the, the most frustrating part about this ballgame from an entertainment perspective was is you expect it to be one of the best games of the year, and the Cavs just proved why, again, they're still – head, knee, and shoulder, everything above the Raptors and talent-wise the best team in the, in the Eastern Conference. LeBron James went off 23 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. They win 116-78. to 78. Absolute domination by the Cleveland Cavaliers as they win by 38 at home. And uh, they take this one, and they're now up 3-2. They play tonight here in about 25 minutes. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game again. I think the Cavs are going to close it out tonight. It's going to be in Toronto, though, so there's no guarantees on what's going to happen and what's going to be uh, you know, a, a spectacle made of. We don't know what's ultimately going to happen. I mean, uh, it, this is what I think is going to happen tonight. I think the Cavs lose, but I think the Cavs lose by two. And I think it's down the stretch. It's one of those games where it's like, man, the Cavs, they, they should win this game. Why aren't they? And the Raptors kind of pull it out and win. That's kind of how I feel is going to happen. Kind of like in game four when the Raptors won 105-99. to The Raptors, are. I feel like they're going to do the same thing. They're going to, they're going to think Cleveland can get it done, but they're still going to win because it's in, it's in Toronto. And then game seven, it's going to be the Cavs on Sunday, and they're going to absolutely annihilate the Raptors again. This is a home series all the way around. No one looks the same on the road. And unless the Cavs just want to press the button and go to the Eastern Conference Finals now – they can do it tonight, but I just still think it's a, it's a home court advantage series, and for that, I think the the Eastern Conference Finals will go to a Game Seven. And I'm not just saying that because I don't believe in the Cavs. I think the Cavs can win. I think the Cavs can get it done. I think they can ultimately win this series tonight. I just think that considering how it's gone, and uh, considering how it's gone, I think that it's just going to go back to Cleveland, and it's going to be the same old thing. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a seven game series, and knowing that it's going to be a seven game series, it's going to be it's it's going to be what it is. So the Eastern Conference Finals is, is game six is tonight. I think the Raptors win, but I think the Raptors only win by two. Uh, Cleveland's favored by six. I would take the Raptors plus six in this one if I was you because I have a weird feeling. Even if the Cavs do win, it's going to be close. I just have a feeling that on the road it's going to be a different ballgame like it's been this entire series for every road team. Last night. Last night in the NBA was one of the greatest games, in NBA, I think, in NBA history. Uh, from the standpoint of just X's and O's, unbelievable moments, moments that I I won't forget. And from the standpoint of, again, each of these games in this series just keep getting more and more layered with interesting storylines, interesting things happening, interesting things kicking in. Last night, the Thunder lost, and the Warriors won 120-111, to 111, pushing it to a game six, going back to Oklahoma City. But the storyline behind it all, really, which is fascinating, again, Russell Westbrook's been known for his sporadic defense in this game, in this series, excuse me, but Steph Curry in this game 
was the one that brought the sporadic defense down the stretch. Look, people are criticizing Steph Curry for his defense. I am one of them. I don't think his defense is as good as people are thinking. And, in fact, I think it's overrated. But from the standpoint of what he did in the fourth quarter, all of the credit in the world needs to go to Steph Curry, what he did in the fourth quarter. He had multiple strips on Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook down the stretch. He found ways to get his team back involved in the ball game. And knowing that he got his team back involved in the ball game late, and the Warriors absolutely were incredible in the fourth quarter, knowing that the Thunder were only down four heading into the fourth, the Warriors and Thunder just that was that was spectacular basketball. I mean, the Warriors won it again, ultimately one twenty to one eleven. Kevin Durant was unbelievable, forty points, four assists, seven rebounds, and to think Kevin Durant missed a whole bunch of shots. Russell Westbrook missed a whole bunch of shots. Uh, the role players for OKC were not that good down the stretch. The the thing that Oklahoma City needs to hang their hat on and, and get excited about is that they ultimately are, are playing great basketball in very, very tough circumstances. And the Warriors came out and played with every single ounce of emotion in this game to keep themselves alive. And I think they can hang their hat. And you saw it last night, Kevin Durant, at the end of the ball game. They're going to hang their hat on saying, hey, guess what? We came on the road. We knew this was going to be hard. Our effort was here. It just we couldn't make some shots. We definitely laid it down a little bit at the end of the ball game, a little bit defensively. We know that our effort could be better. But going on the road and giving the effort we did, knowing that we had a game to lose in the bag, we gave a pretty good effort. They're going to go back to Oklahoma City. They're going to play tomorrow night on Saturday, May 28th. And it's interesting because now Oklahoma City is favored by two and a half. They know what's up. People are going to pick the Warriors. People think the Warriors are going to bounce back and win the series in seven. I picked them to win the series in seven. I still don't believe. They got to prove to me in game six that they can get it done. But I'm telling you, last night in game six was absolutely incredible. We got Chris here from uh, – he's living in the L.A. area, and he's calling back in to talk about these, these, these game fives. Chris, what did you see – from last night in that ball game in the Western Conference Finals that, I mean, it was just some spectacular basketball both sides of the floor. It was it definitely was amazing basketball. Um, I think that the Thunder lost because the Rat and Westbrook, they played well, not great, but they played well, scored a lot of points, took a lot of shots. But the Oklahoma City Thunder are literally one of the scariest teams in the league when those two guys are getting their teammates involved. When Deion Waiters can give you 12 points and Adams gives you 10 points with nine rebounds and Ibaka contributes and Morrow puts in some buckets as well, when they play as a full unit, they are one of the best teams in the league. When they revert back to just KD and Russell one-on-one, they kind of divert back to what we saw throughout the regular season where they just would fold in fourth quarters. You know, and that's pretty much what happened yesterday with Adams getting early foul trouble and nobody on the bench really. Except Morrow came in and he had a few points. But other than him, nobody else really showed up for the game yesterday. And you could see it, you know. And I think that Westbrook is kind of getting – he's trying so hard to get in Curry's head. He's getting drawn into a, a, a battle. And it's forcing him to go back to that out-of-control rust. Whereas, like I said, when, like I said before last week, when he plays under control and distributes and really controls the game as a point guard, he's unstoppable. Westbrook is unstoppable when he controls the game in that aspect. But I think him and Durant yesterday they got drawn into just 
forcing it, and they'll have three guys around them, and they'll still take a shot. And both of them did it. You know, when it was Kobe doing it on the Lakers, it would be just Kobe. But it was like Durant and Westbrook right. in turns just jacking up shots. And when they can get the other guys involved, it's – man, that team is tough to beat. And, and also, they were all rebounding. And the Warriors yeah. beat them in the paint, actually. Like, Bogey played an amazing game. Like, he had, like, yeah, what was yeah. it, 15 and 14. Like, he just – he had an amazing yeah. stat line. We never see more. We never. We rarely have ever seen since the Warriors have became the Warriors. Like we haven't seen Bogut and Space play the way they did last night. Like we, you never see that from them, you know. And they basically outplayed the bigs of OKC. And I'm not sure what's going to happen tomorrow, but um, I think it it will be difficult for the Warriors to win again because the Thunder do no. They yeah. understand the formula it takes to defeat the Warriors. Now. They understand it. And yesterday, they, they they weren't too upset about losing yesterday. They, you watch the first right. press conference, they look kind of relaxed. Like, okay, we're going home. We're going to finish this out. You know, it's over with. And they, they, they seem very calm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's honestly frightening how calm they were because you can kind of just see it. They're, they're their their body language just said, oh, yeah, we'll win this tomorrow. You know, they kind of were calm. Like, we got this. Don't worry about it. We just lost one game. They were home. They were supposed to win. You know, I think the Warriors, um, they, they definitely would need to keep attacking the paint like they did and sharing the ball and just moving around a lot. Because if they can get past them, I think that beating the Cavs, like, I think, which is, I, I really, in my personal opinion, I feel like whoever comes out of the Western Conference is going to defeat the Cavs in the finals. Like, I just don't think that yeah. the Cavs will be, like, yes, they're beating each other up in the West, but that, like, when you're beating each other up, you bring the team closer together, um, you, you learn more, coaches can put more more strategy together, and I just think they'll be more prepared, you know. So, I, honestly, I do see the Warriors winning a close game tomorrow, maybe even by one or two points, very close. You know, it's interesting about this game, and you mentioned it, how uh, when Russ and KD get the bench players involved, I think, honestly, I think they were, for the most part. I think they played a similar game plan that what they were doing the entire series. I think the problem is, and this was mentioned multiple times on the broadcast last night, is that on the road, uh, bench players don't necessarily show up all the time, especially when they're given the opportunity. Deion Waiters played 27 minutes yesterday. It says he played off the bench, but he played 20 minutes, 27 minutes yesterday, and he only took four shots. I think from the standpoint of confidence and from the standpoint of what the moment was, and especially the environment in Golden State, because this is where this – I wouldn't necessarily say that the that the road or the or the road crowd puts really a pressure on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's played in every single environment you can imagine, and I'm sure this is just another one of those environments that he's used to. And he played great. I mean, yes, he did not shoot well from the floor. Three of eleven from three, twelve of thirty-one from the floor. That's not ultimately ideal. But from the standpoint of him getting forty and seven, you know, this guy this guy knows how to play in that environment. Russell Westbrook plays way too hard to care about what his environment is. But I think guys like Roberson. Guys like I don't know I don't necessarily know about Stephen Adams. Bigs don't necessarily get impacted down low. It's the guys that come off the bench, and it's the finesse guys that come off the bench. Look, Anthony Morrow. I think he has found a new role in this series as a guy who can come in and beat the beat the zone. We talked about that on Twitter yesterday. This guy came in and he beat the zone that the, that the Golden State Warriors thought they could sneak by the 
by the Thunder, and Billy Donovan said, nah, I'm not going to buy into that. You trying to beat my zone with the, with the lineup I have. I've got a guy especially for that. I call him the bronze card cheat code for 2K. Because every time someone uses Anthony Morrow and you're playing on my team, he's an absolute cheat code because he can make everything from downtown. And he proved it last night again. Every time he's got the ball in his hands, it feels like it's going mm-hmm. in. That's just how he feels. He's kind of like he's kind of like their small man version of Maurice Spates, uh, if you want to be uh, particular. Uh, but Dion Waiters is is really the key of what you were mentioning. He had a minus eighteen on the plus minus. Everyone else in this game had under you know the maximum was a twelve when it came to impact on the plus minus. And I'm not saying Dion Waiters cost the game. I think Dion Waiters was trying to do everything he could and impact the game that he normally wanted to. Problem was he wasn't confident enough to shoot the ball. Zero points on and four assists, four rebounds. You're clearly not trying to find a way to score if you only put up four shots. That's just that's just what it was. And in these other games, uh, Dion Waiters has found ways to impact the game in a much more impactful way. And in this one, I think he just kind of wanted to pull a facilitator role, which I think the Warriors were, I mean, the Thunder were thinking, no, we need to do a little bit more. And that's what they ultimately need if they want to play well. And they did. They played well for the most part. I mean, I mean, all these guys, their plus minuses were so small. I mean, they were almost zero. I mean, Serge Ibaka minus three, Kevin Durant minus four, Sir Stephen Adams minus seven, Russell Westbrook minus nine, and then on on the winning side, Steph Curry plus six, Clay Thompson plus five. These guys had very very small plus minuses, which means everyone really played really well. Now, don't get me wrong, everyone turned the ball over a lot. Uh, the Warriors had 15, Thunder had 17, but like you said, the difference was the points in the paint, and I think a major thing, and I know the Warriors won't do this, but after what we saw last night with their adjustments, Maurice Spates only played nine minutes, but it seemed like early on in that game, he set the precedent for what to expect uh, to expect later on. His nine minutes were so impactful in the second quarter that really kept the, the Warriors in it. I mean, he scored 14 points off the bench, off four or seven, and he's a big guy. You know, and, and, I, and again, I know the Warriors are 73 and nine. They're not going to listen to a guy who does a podcast for a, for a small Boston-based program. I know they're not going to listen to me, but I think anybody with a mind who saw that game last night and who has a basketball IQ – recognizes that I think Maurice Spates needs to play about double those minutes in, in Oklahoma City, and he needs to play a big man role. They need to play bigger and play with the size of the Thunder and play that brand of basketball because the Thunder, I mean, again, they scored 111 on the road, and they still found a way to stay in it. And if Kevin Durant has a little bit better of a game and Deion Waiters becomes a little bit more aggressive, they win this game last night. That's just ultimately what it comes down to. And the Golden State Warriors, again, going into tomorrow, they're, fit, they're, they're underdogs by two and a half. Steph Curry, for everyone saying Steph Curry, and I gave him praise, his fourth quarter defense was fantastic. He stepped it up in the fourth quarter and was absolutely lights out. Defensively, offensively, he did it all. Uh, but still, the first three quarters of the game, Steph Curry, he did not shoot well from the field. Three of eight from three, nine of 20 from the field. That's not bad, but, you know, the only reason he did well was finally he found a way to attack the paint. He had 10 free throws last night. And to be honest, if, we all, if we're just going to be 100% real here, half those calls aren't going to go the Warriors' way on the road, and most of the calls that we saw against the Thunder in this game are, are going to go the Thunder's way at home. That's just So from the standpoint of where the game is and how home court advantage affects things, with the way the Thunder played last night and with the way the Warriors played, I think unless the Warriors utilize Maurice Spates a little bit more and find a way to be a ton more aggressive, and, and Bogut has to be pretty much played the, the same way, if not a little bit better on the road, 
they got to play big. They got to utilize their bigs, and they got to play with the Thunder's style of play and be as emotional and involved as they were last night to even sniff a chance in Oklahoma City because we all know Oklahoma City is getting them calls, and they're going to get those extra plays here and there, and, and, and the bench players will be more aggressive. Uh, uh, in their home building. So outside of that, uh, that's what I think is going to happen. Anything else you want to say on this game before we uh, move on to and We could talk about the next game and preview the game for tonight. Oh, man, let's preview the game for tonight. This one, um, uh, it, it, this Cavaliers roster, uh, Raptors series has been so, like, it's, kind of, it's boring and then it's unpredictable, but then it's hard to look away. You know, it's kind of like seeing somebody vomit. Like, you want to look away, but you just can't. You Like, it's hard to kind of, like, not watch it, even though you know the Cavs are going to win. Like, yeah. no, no no team has won on the road throughout their season series and the playoffs. So, it's going to be interesting to see if, like, LeBron can go to Toronto tonight and end the series. I think that the Raptors will win this win this game by about ten points. I, I think so. Oh, wow. I think Valencia Yunus got his feet a little wet. You know, he's kind of back in the motion of things, and I just I really think that they can put it together. Um, I think Demar Derozan has to have a big game. Like when he has a yeah. big game, they're a different team. Like Kyle Lowry can have a big game and they can still lose, but when Demar Derozan is just he just lights them up in the mid range, like. Like, just yeah. 15, 16 feet, that's him. Like, he can make every shot. Like, LeBron will literally have his hand in his face, and he is still draining. And when he's making those shots, and Biombo is playing just with all that energy, they're an impossible team to beat. It, it's impossible to beat them. Because when he makes those buckets, that slows down your fast break. And that's really what, what the Cavs have been doing to them. They trap Kyle Lowry, he throws a turnover, and then, bam, LeBron and Kyrie are going the other way. So if they can get DeMar DeRozan and if, he, if they can get him going and Melissa Eunice can contribute 12 and 10, I think the Raptors can take this one. And then if you go to a game seven, there's no telling what will happen. No telling what will happen. All right. I got a weird feeling that this game tonight, like you said, it, it has a weird feel to me like it's going to be a lot like game four. I feel like the, I feel like the Raptors are going to be up big, and then somehow the Cavs are going to cut it close, but the Raptors will still pull it out, and we're all going to be thinking, mm-hmm. how did the Cavs not win that game? I feel like that's what's going to happen in this game tonight, and I feel like, like you said, the Raptors are still going to find a way to win. And I said they win by two, but 10 doesn't sound too far off either. I mean, this is – this is going to be one of those games where if LeBron really wants to give himself an extra, you know, I mean, because think about it, the NBA final starts in, in about six days. If he wants to give himself five full days of rest, this is the night to end it. And I think this is the night to really stamp himself and say, guess what? I'm waiting for you, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. I'm waiting. Like, this is the mm-hmm. time to do it. And they need, they need that rest because we've seen how they can play off of rest, especially when they either need to go on the road or play at home because – Either way, I mean, I know they're going to play – if they play the Thunder, they're going to play – I believe if they play the Thunder, they're going to be the home team, right? Like, they're going to be the home team, so they'll go back to Cleveland? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, so yeah, if, if they so, uh, they're higher seed, so yeah, they have a home court advantage. Okay, so, yeah, they would have a home court advantage over the, over the, uh, over the Oklahoma City Thunder, but, uh, but if they play the Warriors, they, all they got to do if they play the Warriors is steal one at home. That's all they got to do. So either way, and since we're not coming back until Tuesday, which will be uh, May 31st, the last day of May, 
all these series will be wrapped up and we'll be able to break them down for you and recap them for you. But for now, that's what we're, you know, we're just kind of projecting what's going to happen if the Cavs close it out tonight. And obviously if they don't, they play game seven on Sunday. You want to talk about these first team, all NBA, second team, all NBA teams here. Uh, uh, man, this, I'm telling you, I, I gotta, I gotta talk about this because this is, uh, oh, this man. is frustrating to me. Like yes, it's, it's kind I of totally bad. It's, it's it's kind of bad, and, and and see, I've told people this the last couple of years that I've been doing this. And I said, look, all you got to know how the media is voting for these things is by looking at the all NBA teams. They're they're usually you're supposed to pick the awards based upon common knowledge and common and what you see on the floor and through things. We all know that Terry Stotts should have won Coach of the Year just based upon the circumstance he was put in last year, losing four of his five yes. starters. I mean, it's just no debate. Like, that, that's ridiculous what he did with that the, the, the Trailblazers had an amazing season. Amazing. Yes. Unbelievable season. And you got to give all the credit to, to the front office and, and, uh, and, and Terry Stotts, and it was unbelievable. And don't get me wrong, the Warriors winning 73 games was crazy, but that was a split duo thing. And for them to give it to only St- Steve Kerr is a sham. But um, getting back to these first team and second team, all third team, all NBA, the first team – I didn't necessarily have a bunch of problems. Look, Steph Curry, obviously he won MVP. He's going to be there. Russell Westbrook, I liked it. Russell Westbrook should have been on it last year, but instead he was on it. He was on the second team last year. That happens. Hey, I thought that was a joke when that happened, but that's, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's the media for you. LeBron James, clearly. And look, as a Spurs fan, I, I find it respectful for a guy like Kawhi Leonard to be there, but let's be honest, this guy's numbers, what he did, He's part of the system in San Antonio. He is not part of the answer in San Antonio. He mm-hmm. is the answer for the yes. next thing, but he ain't. But he ain't the whole Sheboygan like a guy like LeBron James, Steph Curry, and and I can and I can tell you this much: Kevin Durant definitely is more valuable to that team than Russell Westbrook. Just look at last year and look at this year. It's a whole different team. Ten game difference, and they're in the, in the Western Conference Finals. Whole different ball game team. But at the same time, you, you gotta, the media has to step back and, and step away from this social media perspective of, oh, like what, only what happened this year. Only what ha- Look, Kawhi Leonard last year, I don't, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't even on an all-first or second or third-team All-NBA. And if he was, he was on a third-team All-NBA. He wasn't, like, way up there. Um, and yeah, now he he's all the way up there I because think Ka- Kawhi yeah. and Kevin Durant should have switched places. Like, just – yes. I had to, I really I wrote a I wrote an article about this literally last night at two o'clock in the morning in about thirty minutes and Kawhi and DeAndre Jordan should not have been on the first team. No, 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 agreed. No, uh, I think Demarcus Cousins should have been on the first team because he's obviously yep. the best center in the NBA, but because he plays yep. in Sacramento and it's not that big of a fan base, and because it's off court and some of his on court antics that causes the media to dislike him. So, therefore, he dropped down to the second team, and they gave it to DeAndre Jordan, even though his numbers are pretty basic, you know. Yeah. Well, what's frustrating is the first team. Exactly, and I agree with you. And that's and, that, and see, and the thing with Kawhi Leonard, and I was telling everybody this, and I know everyone was hating me on Twitter for it, and for for obvious reason. It's not because I'm a Spurs fan. It's just I knew where the media was going to go the moment I started seeing some of these things. When Steph won unanimous MVP, when you saw uh, Coach Kerr win the win the thing, when you saw Steph Curry third in the most improved, you already knew it was going to happen. Like you already knew yep. the media was going to draw their own narrative and pick the guys that they did. 
The one thing that I am super against, and, and, you, brought, and you just hit it on the head with it, DeAndre Jordan is not a first-team All-NBA player. I'm sorry. This is what I think should ultimately have happened. If you want to be consistent NBA, if you want to take the center out of the All-Star game, if you want to be super consistent with these things, then don't necessarily automatically put a center in the All-NBA selections. This is what they should have done. They should have put Draymond Green as a first-team All-NBA and put him in where DeAndre Jordan is. If you want to be transparent and be obvious with the selection, Draymond Green's a first-team All-NBA player. I'm sorry. If you want to put him in as a – he, in my opinion, he's the third best forward. And, and I agree with you. From the standpoint of talent, from the standpoint of what this guy did this season, impacting his team and getting them to where they are to this point and making them 10 games better than what they were the year before, Kevin Durant is up there better than Kawhi, but knowing that the media narrative was going to give Kawhi all the praise, that's what happened. Uh, Kawhi Leonard definitely this year is a second-team All-NBA, no debate, but first team is a stretch. DeAndre Jordan shouldn't even be on any of the All-NBA team. He shouldn't even be first, second, or third. He shouldn't even be here. And what's more frustrating about it is you go to second-team All-NBA, which is – and this is what's great. Look, and I'm not upset about this because it's actually accurate. Damian Lillard got on the second-team All-NBA. I don't have a problem with that. I actually don't. I actually like it. But here's what's funny. Yes. This, guy hasn't been, this guy hasn't been in the All-Star game the last two years. This guy has been one of the best point guards in the league the last two years. And now, debatably – and I don't even think it's much of a debate – but now the, goal, the, the Portland Trailblazers have the second-best backcourt in the NBA. If you took away yes. Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, that's the best backcourt in the NBA. And Damian Lillard has been snubbed out of back-to-back All-Star games, and finally he gets some kind of praise as a second-team All-NBA. I just hope the media doesn't ignore that this guy is out in Portland and literally carrying this team on his back. I mean, let's be honest. He's not, he's not the end-all, be-all in Portland. They're a much better team overall than just Damian Lillard carrying, but he's the face of that organization. He is. He basically carries. He's carrying that organization. Like, after all four starters left, at the beginning of this season, everyone said, oh, Portland won't be anything. They won't be anywhere. Yeah. And this guy, he actually would have finished about third or fourth in my MVP voting because he carried that team without him. They don't make the playoffs. They were like, they they were so, they had such an amazing season. Him and CJ McCollum just, are literally, and we saw how they play against the Warriors. They are right now where the Warriors were two years ago. Like, yes, they're coming. Yes. All they need is two or three more pieces, and they'll be right there dominating the West. They're right there. And what's crazy is um, Damian Lillard also benefited from the uh, Rose Rule, from signing the uh, extension in his, uh, for a fifth year in his rookie contract. He actually made yes. $20 million from making the All-NBA yes. team. And like you said, he wasn't on any all-star team, but the requirements are to be on two all-star teams or to be on two all-NBA teams. This is his second year being on an all-NBA team, so he made $20 million. Now, Anthony Davis, on the other hand, missed out on $14 million because he didn't make the all-NBA team. You know, and I actually wrote about this um, on, simply, on my yes. website, simplyhoops.sportsblog.com. Um, the, that rose rule, really, I think it needs to be modified because it's just, it's it's a little insane. So you're basically saying that, like, Anthony Davis, he deserves that money. He just didn't have a, as great a yeah. year because of his injury. Right. But we all know Anthony Davis is still one of the best players in the NBA. But the fact yeah. that they the, the team basically shut him down for 16, the last 16 games, he missed out on all of that money. His contract was just blown up. It's just insane. And Damian Lillard, don't get me wrong, he does deserve it. 
But I think that yes. seeing what happened to Anthony Davis, they need to modify that uh, role rule a little bit. No, absolutely. I don't disagree with you at all. I think, and this has been talked about in the media today about how guys are losing money because they're not making these awards when they're deserving of getting it. And, uh, you know, outside of, like I said, DeAndre Jordan, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, I, I agree with Kawhi Leonard getting there only because the media agrees. But for the most part, from a talent perspective, Kevin Durant deserves to be first team All NBA. Yeah. Uh, but, but second team, what's up? One thing that I'm confused about is, is I don't understand how the media votes on this. Like, is it about right. what you do individually or what your team does? Because if it's about what your <laughs> team does, then I don't like. I'm. I, it's confused. If it's about individual. Then okay, why is so Demarcus the Cousins there? Exactly, because Demarcus Cousins clearly had yeah. a better stat line than DeAndre Jordan. So if we're talking center. Oh, yeah. He was the best center in the league. <laughs> okay, and if you want to say it's about individual, then James Harden should be on there somewhere because he was second in scoring, six yeah. in assists. But because his yeah. team struggled yeah. and they barely made the playoffs, they didn't show him any love whatsoever. So I'm kind of confused on how the media – is it about your team winning? Is it about your individual statistics? Like, what really matters? What are they voting on? And it just seems like they just blindly just vote on who they like. I think that the voting should, should be done by players and coaches. It should be done by based on common knowledge. Look, it's just to me, it's just common sense. Like Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, I have no debate on those two guys being first team All NBA. No debate. LeBron James, no debate. Why yeah. Leonard? He's not as talented as Kevin Durant. His stats weren't there. You should know, media members, that San Antonio has been doing this for a generation. You know that he's just the next wave. He's not the end-all, be-all of that team. Lamarcus Aldridge getting third-team All-NBA proves that. He did it again this year. You know, Kawhi Leonard's just not there. And looking at last year and the impact Kevin Durant had on this team being injured last year coming in, he's, if anything, more of an MVP candidate because he helped this team get to where they're at. That's just common knowledge. You put Kevin Durant in the first-team All-NBA, you swap him, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Kawhi Leonard's definitely improving, getting better, definitely deserving this year more of Defensive Player of the Year than he was last year. I thought, DeMar- I thought DeAndre Jordan was more, was more deserving of Defensive Player of the Year last year. That's a whole different discussion. But, but Kawhi Leonard finally deserved the Defensive Player of the Year this year 100% for me. But from the standpoint of him being All-NBA, that's, that's too much. And then DeMarcus Cousins and the whole J- James Harden discussion, which you just brought up. Look, we're going to get to that in a second. Second team, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard. Definitely deserving of their spots. I 100% agree with those two selections. Actually, no. I think Damian Lillard, look, and this is no knock on Damian Lillard at all. It's just how it should be. Clay Thompson is a second-team All-NBA player. I'm sorry. Clay Thompson, my opinion, best pure shooting guard in the NBA. He's proven it. He has proven it over this playoffs that he can single-handedly impact games to the level that guys like James Harden can. He doesn't have the James Harden moves. He's not as offensively gifted as James Harden. I won't, I will, I won't mm-hmm. deny that. But when it comes to his ability to get himself open and impact games from an individual level, he has proven that. And, and I remember, like you said, you know, guys like Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum who could hit shots from the outside – Clay Thompson, I remember three years ago when he played the Spurs in the, in the semifinals, every time, and I said it, I was watching the games as a Spurs fan, and I was like, man, if this team could just make their shots with guys on them, they would be scary. Well, Clay Thompson, every time there's a, there's a hand in his face, it seems like the ball goes in. He has drastically improved his capability to score the basketball, not just from the outside, but also on the inside, where every time he goes yes. in the paint now, he has finesse. He finds ways to get guys open. He even, inter- he even finds ways to find guys open on the outside to get his teammates involved. That is a big-time leap from what this guy's been 
over the last couple of years, just like kind of Draymond Green improving his game drastically. I think from that perspective, getting on second team All-NBA would be a good thing. And that kind of goes back to the whole, you know, if you rescheduled all these guys where they should be, Clay Thompson would be a second team All-NBA. Guys on the third team. Uh, or second team, uh, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Marcus Cousins we just talked about. Kyle Lowry got into the third team. I don't have a problem with that. He definitely was a great player. Do I think he should – do I think other guys should be there? Maybe, but he's got a pretty legit case of being there. Andre Drummond. I heard someone – I heard Dan Patrick this morning say that Andre Drummond wasn't a third-team All-NBA player. Are you out of your mind, Dan Patrick? Are you high? This guy – was unfreaking believable the first two three months of the season of this of the Pistons, Killing. and then down the stretch, everyone down. I mean, down the stretch, he struggled a little bit, and obviously his free throws are an absolute travesty. But when you talk about dominance in the paint and guys having to completely game plan around one player, that's what the Pistons have in Andre Drummond. He is the centerpiece of that organization right now, and he's the guy who helped them get to their playoff berth this season. And there's no debate. Yes, Reggie Jackson definitely made the step up in finally having his first time to start, but Andre Drummond is the centerpiece of that organization. And years to come, He's going to be in the same discussion as guys like DeMarcus Cousins and, 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 yeah. and a couple other big men, Anthony Davis, who's going to be a top three center in the league. And I don't think it's a debate. This year he was a top three center in the league this year. Unfortunately, the a guy media, like DeMarcus what, what, Cousins took his spot. What it boils down to is the media doesn't really respect the true center anymore. The media is glorifying yep. the Steph Currys, the players that can shoot jumpers and drain jump shots. It's not about who can post up and just dominate you in the paint. If that was the case, I'm telling you, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins would get way yes. much more love. He doesn't get as much attention and love, not only because of the terrible organization of the Sacramento Kings, but because the traditional center is, is just it's gone. Like, you rarely have it anymore. The right. only traditional center we have is, you could say, uh, Cousins, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Valencia Eunice, um, it's, it's Mark Gasol. It's very few traditional centers out there that are still left in the league, and I think Andre Drummond, when he, I guarantee you right now, he's in the gym working on this post game. He's going to oh, have the footwork oh, yeah. and the hook shot. Next season, he's going to be in the MVP discussion. I guarantee it. Yes. And yeah. You see the Pistons, they fought with the Cavs a little bit. They're another team. They play a different style than where the NBA is going, but they are another team that they are just a few pieces away, a few consistent pieces away from being a competitive team in the Eastern Conference. Because we see that if they wouldn't have ran into the Cavs, I can honestly see that the Pistons, Yes. Taking the Heat or even the Hornets to a game seven, yes. you know, because they yes. they were the, the East is so it's such a level playing field where anybody can make the mm-hmm. conference finals. You nothing. Only thing that would surprise you if LeBron wasn't there. That's the only thing that would surprise you about the East because it's such a level playing field. It's like everybody is kind of on the same level, and then the Cavs are like the giant ninth grader dunking on the ninth foot court. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. That's how the Eastern Conference is shaped right now. So the Pistons are another team that are just a few pieces away. You know, and I've made this debate, and I've, told, I've talked to Andrew about this on the show, is, 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 is the Pistons now with the moves that they've made this season and over the over the year, uh, just give them three years, and I think they're contending for a title. I think they're that good. Yeah. They're, they're that gifted. They're that talented. They have that many players and pieces. Uh, Contavious Caldwell folks can already see them. Yes, yes. You can already see the molding of the players that are involved. Oh, my God. And the moves that they've made for their future, they look a lot like a team in the next three years, especially with LeBron. He's not going to fade next year, but I think after that you're going to start seeing dwindlings of LeBron, of his his athleticism. 
But when that time starts to come, you're going to see this Pistons team. You're going to see the Pacers. You're going to see all these teams come out of nowhere in the in the East, or, in, or especially the Orlando Magic. Uh, you're going to see these teams come out of nowhere and just absolutely dominate because they have that kind of youth and that skill set around it's, them. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I got killed on Twitter when I posted an article saying that LeBron wouldn't be as good as Kobe when he deteriorates. And reason being is when Kobe got older, he could still shoot. People, people just are, right. only remember this past season when he would go and he'll shoot 25, 30%. People don't realize that Kobe is now, he's old, he's 37, like he's old now. He's really, really old. Yeah, yeah. LeBron isn't yeah. going to have that same extra three or four years to compete at a high level because once his no. legs give away, it's over because he doesn't have a jump shot to rely on. Like the Wayne Wade is still such a great player because that mid-range game is just – and the post game is unstoppable. He can still kill you with a step back and a turnaround, a fadeaway. Dwayne Wade still has a lot of footwork. That's it's just, amazing. It's it's amazing for him to just still be. Yeah. And we we saw this playoffs. Dwayne Wade can still play at a high level. Oh my I god! I think, yeah. like you said, in two in two seasons, when LeBron starts, his body starts to slow down and really deteriorate. Yes. We're going to see him really, really when he loses a step. It's, it's going to be tragic to watch because we're used to seeing him being so athletic and so dominant physically. He's never had to really, really use his skill to win. He's always been able to dominate players because he's faster, stronger, bigger. But he's not actually skillfully better, like actual skill, you know, that like the like a, a weaker player would need, a smaller guy. He doesn't need to use that. So when he actually has to use it, he doesn't have it. It's, it's going to expose him a little bit. And I mean, that's just part of the time. You can't really fight it off. Yeah. But, man, I got murdered on Twitter when I just kind of made my case with that. And you can see LeBron can't shoot three. His mid-range is so-so. He can't pull up going to the right to save his life. And it's, it's, it's obvious to me because I can see basketball and I can see years down the line. But it, yeah, it's yeah. going to be it, – it's going to be sad to see LeBron when he starts to slow down. It's, it's, it's going to be sad, man. I think I think the thing with LeBron is uh, this is what I envision when I when I think of him aging and I know this is like really weird especially for those of you who are younger listening to this but uh, I, I've seen old NBA on, on NBA TV highlights of like the of like the Lakers in the mid '90s when Magic came back from AIDS and all that stuff to play like that's like think about that like. Magic was an imposing will on the basketball court on top of his ability. I wouldn't necessarily call him a physical presence, but he was just a large human being. He was athletic as all can be. I mean, he was just he was he was the modern day LeBron in the 80s. That's what he was. He just didn't have a jump shot. He was not a scorer. He was a finesse passer, mm-hmm. incredible guy in the lane. He had post-up game for days. He was just a big presence who played with his era but was in definitely just a just a genius on the basketball court but that's kind of how I see LeBron James finishing out not now obviously not now not next year I definitely think in 2018 though you're going to see massive glimpses of him really start to fade and then come like 2019 2020 you're going to see kind of like what Magic Johnson looked like in the twilight of his career you're going to see a guy who can run up and down the court give you 25 to 30 minutes of ball game he can probably score you 15 he can probably he can probably throw you like six assists seven assist and he's going to be a guy who can set screens he can be a team player he can give you he can be a coach on the floor he can do all that stuff the problem is is like like you said and we're talking we're talking like 2019 2020 type time we're not talking now we're not talking next year we're, we're probably talking two years from now but three four years from now LeBron James's body he's a he's 
he's not Dwayne Wade. He's not six two, six three. He's not he's not these smaller guys. He's a giant human being. And giant human beings, as you saw Shaq, pretty much two years after that Miami Heat year when they won the title, he he disappeared. I mean he yeah, he won he went to an all star game. He definitely maximized his talent in Phoenix, but he he was a shell of himself at that point. I mean everyone can admit mm-hmm. he was not he was not the diesel. He was not Superman. He was just a defensive presence who could maybe give you 15, 20 minutes of ball game of kind of, of, of the shack that we once saw. He'd give you that for like five minutes a game, but he wouldn't give you it for 40 minutes a night. I mean, you saw glimpses, and it disappeared quick when he left Miami. That's kind of what you're going to see from LeBron in three to four years. Once he turns 34, 35 years old, his body's just going to give out. That's just how it is with bigger players, I gotta, just I, generally. I have a good question for you. I have a good, I have a good question yeah. for you. Let's say LeBron does make the finals this season. And let's say uh let's just say for the sake of it the Warriors make it they somehow defeat the uh the Thunder and they're in the finals as well. If he loses yeah. to Stephen Curry for the second year in a row with Kyrie and Kevin Love, what do you think that does to his legacy? Cuz that then that'll make him uh what, 2 and 5 in the finals? What do you think that does yeah. to his legacy? I think LeBron James if they lose, especially if it's to the Warriors. Now, if they lose to the Thunder, I think it's I think it's rational and understandable, especially if the Warriors win. Because think about this. If they beat the Spurs and Warriors back-to-back, they better win the title. That's where they, they better yes. win. Um, but, <laughs> yes. if the Warriors, but if the Warriors play the Cavs and, and this were to happen, I think LeBron James's legacy is going to be very similar to Jerry West's legacy. People forget Jerry West. I know people aren't very many historians out there, but Jerry West went to nine NBA Finals, I believe, or ten, or, or nine, ten, or eight NBA Finals. He only won one of those. And to a lot of the teams he played, we're not, we don't ever remember. A lot of the teams that he played were not great. They didn't have a lot of legends. They had good players, but they weren't Jerry West. And I think that's similar to what LeBron James is facing in that legacy. He's going to be one of the all-time greats. No one's going to debate that. And he's still going to probably be the greatest small forward of all time. But when it comes to the narrative 10 years from now, when we talk about how LeBron James was one of the greatest players of all time, it'll be like he, he really got a lot of breaks down the stretch. And he really wasn't a killer when it came to his his mentality with, with good teams. He was, he had a LeBron when it, when it's all said and done, will be one of the greatest players, if not statistically the greatest player of all time. But when it comes to, when it comes to um, overall, finishing. We'll remember watching him, watch him on the floor. Exactly. It'll come down to his finishing. It'll come, it'll come down to, he kind of was a rebel on the basketball court from the media perspective. That's what people are going to look at him as. They're going to see him as kind of a guy who six straight NBA finals appearances in one decade is stupid. That's, that is, that's the modern day. Look, I don't care what people say. That's the modern day Bill Russell. That's the modern day seven. That's the modern day Celtics type stuff right there. You go to six straight NBA finals. I don't care how poor the East is. Six straight NBA finals and really taking the narrative to making the Eastern Conference look like garbage because it's been bad. But come on now, one player shouldn't be able to completely dictate an entire conference. That's crazy. But if he loses to the Warriors, it'll be, like you said, the lack of finishing, the lack of capability to to beat out players and beat out teams that really, with the talent that he has, 
the Maverick, I still think the 2011 Maverick series was is going to be a huge blow to his legacy. And if he loses this year with the players that he has and the, and the team around him, I think that's just another blow. And that those two examples will be the examples used throughout his career. You can't blame him in 07. That team, how he got that team to the finals was crazy. Uh, obviously 2012 and 2013 when they won the championship. And then 2014, I think the Spurs just hit another notch. I was watching that series. I couldn't believe what I saw because I thought we were going to lose again. But uh, that was just – that team hit another notch that year. And, and I think the the two examples we're going to use – because last year wasn't fair. It was his first year back in Cleveland. That was flat-out unbelievable. Everyone's going to rip him because LeBron didn't win the title. But let's be honest, one year back in Cleveland after they, they had just won 30 games – and all they added was Kevin Love and LeBron, which isn't saying, you know, oh, my gosh, that's nobody. But, you know, considering – and they still make it to the finals. That's crazy. Um, but this year they, they, they have all the expectations to get there and win it all. And if they don't, I think that's a big big blow to his legacy. Let's get back to these all-NBA teams real quick. And I just want to kind of revamp in what I want to say. Paul George, uh, he, he got on third-team all-NBA. LaMarcus Aldridge got third-team all-NBA. I don't have problems with those guys being third-team all-NBA, although – you could make the case that Paul George could be on second-team All-NBA from the standpoint of what I'm about to say. First-team All-NBA, this is who I would have selected. Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, no debate. LeBron James, no debate. I would switch Kevin Durant with Kawhi Leonard, and I would switch DeMarcus Cousins. If you want a pure center, in a, a, mm-hmm. a, if you want to be objective, you put, you put, uh, you put uh, DeMarcus Cousins in there. Or if you want to even be more subjective, you put DeMarcus Cousins in, and then you put Draymond Green where Kawhi Leonard is. Or you can put Draymond Green at the center or big man position, have three forwards, and have Draymond Green, LeBron James, and, uh, and Kevin Durant. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I actually think that's how it should go. And that's the way it should be. Second team All-NBA, Chris Paul, definitely deserving, obviously. I think Clay Thompson should be where Damian Lillard's at. And if you want to keep Damian Lillard on, you can. But then you put a guy... Uh, I don't think DeAndre Jordan should be there at all. I think you could put Andre Drummond in there at second team All-NBA if you want to have a pure center, because if you don't have DeMarcus Cousins, if he's not in that first team, he's definitely second team. But if not, you put Andre Drummond uh, and DeMarcus Cousins is is on first team. But if not, DeMarcus Cousins is there, because I personally think ultimately first team should be Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, Draymond Green, LeBron James, and, uh, and Kevin Durant. Second team, Chris Paul, uh, Clay Thompson, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and then I think uh, I think Paul George should be there with with Kawhi Leonard because Paul George this year, first of all, unbelievable comeback season. Definitely not most improved player, but if they had an award called Comeback Player of the Year, Paul George deserves it flat out. Uh, third team All NBA, Andre Drummond should stay there. I think uh, I think Lamarcus Aldridge should stay there. I think uh, I think Kyle Lowry should stay there. And then where it gets interesting, James Harden needs to be on an all-NBA team. I'm sorry. Uh, what he did last year was – I mean, look, everyone – it's so funny because, again, this just goes to show you the media narrative is what it is. <laughs> I mean, if, if Steph Curry wasn't a media darling and James Harden was, James Harden would be the one who gets the unanimous first-team all-NBA because this guy is an all-NBA player. I mean, come on. He led the league in scoring from overall, not points per game, but overall scoring. I think he had one or two more points than Steph Curry had all season. And this guy is not the three-point scorer that, that Steph Curry is. Uh, this guy had so many ridiculous performances this season. Um, and for him to go from first-team All-NBA to no-team no All-NBA is an absolute joke and a travesty to the league. I think it's a flat-out slap in the face to, to James Harden. I think, it's, I think it's a flat-out slap in the face to the league and what they stand for because this guy was, was the MVP of his team. Now, don't get me wrong, 
Where the Houston Rockets are going and what they look like as an organization is a different story. But James Harden as a statistical category was absolutely unbelievable this season. And he needs to be on at least one of these three teams. And I think if you're going to be salty and not put him on a, a top team, put him on the third team at a minimum. Good Lord. And then I think if you want to put one last guy on the third team All-NBA, you put, you put uh, Anthony Davis on there. That's who I think should be there. I think those are all the guys that should be there. DeAndre Jordan doesn't deserve to be there. That's a joke, but uh, who would you have if you had a, had to pick, Chris, uh, if you want to give your take? Um, I agree with you on all on your entire list. Literally everything you said, I totally agree. Um, I, I really – I don't know. I feel like the league kind of didn't show James Harden any love at all because of his defense. And if you notice, that's been a narrative on him literally the past two seasons, like – People literally make videos of him just standing around defensively. And now I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a fan of James Harden. Like, we, we even grew up in the same city, and I'm not a fan of his because he just has sure. no effort at all. Like, I, I, I do believe that Klay Thompson is better than him simply because Klay Thompson will guard Damian Lillard. He will guard C.J. McCollum. Yes. He will guard Chris Paul when the Clippers come to town. James Harden isn't going to guard anybody. And it's different because no. people talk a lot about Steph Curry's defense, but Steph, his defense is good because he plays with IQ. He gets in the right position. He may not be as yeah. fast or the strongest, but he's going to get in the right position and get in the passing lane to slow you down. He's going to call for help. He actually plays good trap defense. He's more of a high IQ defensive player. Now, James Harden is – very low and very unfocused, and he just doesn't care. You can literally see his he has right. no effort whatsoever. So I, I honestly think that's why they didn't vote him onto the All NBA team. And if that's the reason, I'm 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 not upset about it. I'm not because he you you can see it like you can see him just standing there and the guy will go right past and get a layup and then he's calling for the ball. It's just it's ridiculous. Now if that's the reason they didn't vote him on. I agree. And I do think Paul George should have gotten the uh, – they, they need to make the Comeback Player of the Year award. They need that. Because every year yeah, yeah. somebody gets hurt and they come back, like Anthony Davis is going to get it next year. If he can stay healthy, he's going to yeah. get it. You know, so I, they, they, they need that award. I think Paul George deserves to be where he is. And everybody else pretty much got their spots. I just don't like how they gave Kawhi Leonard so much love this season. Oh, like, yeah. well, I feel like they glorify him. It's fascinating because he got 94 first place votes and and Kevin Durant only got 36. Like, what are you doing? Like, are you high? Like, what's like? Think about think, think about this. Like, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had combined 76 first place votes and Kawhi Leonard got 94. How does that not spell pot smoking in the NBA league office? Like, that's flat out stupid. That shouldn't happen. Like that's like that's a flat out travesty. Look, I love and Kawhi Leonard. Can, Don't get me wrong. You, you can Come tell. On. You can tell the league loves him. Like, how you love him, people love him because of his personality. That's why he finished so high in MVP voting. He won Defensive Player of the Year again. And now he's on the first All-NBA team. Like, you can tell the league is just loving Kawhi Leonard right now. They they, they wanted him to win so bad to see. They wanted him to get another Finals MVP, you know. But I don't – I just I, – I would not take him over Kevin Durant. I wouldn't because – no. Even off, like you can see when they when the Spurs played, they kind of stopped their their ball movement was stopped, and they went and they had to go and Lamarcus Aldridge go off the dribble. He couldn't really do too much, and then they gave it to Kawhi. He was terrible off the dribble, you know. Yes. And Durant yes. locked him up, and then he went to the other end, giving buckets, and they go back. He lock him up again. They'll go back, and Durant will get a dunk, and you can see Kevin Durant just exposed him. 
You know, and I really think that, yeah. that that's just it's insane, man. It's it's just insanity. Well, and to talk about it even more, I mean, and this is and look, the narrative now, and this is crazy. Like we've been talking about it all playoffs, me and you on Twitter especially. Like Kevin Durant's defense this this postseason. Oh my God! If this guy oh showed God, this yeah. effort and intensity on the de- if this guy showed this effort and intensity on the defensive side of the floor more often in the regular season, I don't know how this guy doesn't get in the discussion for MVP conversation every year like LeBron. I mean, seriously, he is playing LeBron yes. s right now. I mean, he stopped. Think about this. He stopped. Two guys right now, two guys on first-team All-NBA, Kawhi Leonard and Steph Curry. He can shut them down right now with what he's doing. Now, maybe not shut down Steph, but when he puts that hand up with Steph on the – and it's funny because everyone's like, oh, Steph's so great, Steph's so great. If you actually watch basketball and you actually know basketball, whenever Kevin Durant switches on to Steph Curry out on the perimeter, Steph Curry's got that look like – Oh, no, 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 I ain't shooting that. Because every time Kevin Durant's on him, his arm is so long, he can't get the angle he wants to put the ball up because he, oh he knows KD's going to block it. It's crazy. And like that's, but that's Kevin Durant putting effort forth on the defensive side of the ball. And that's the thing where, like, during the season at least, at least and especially throughout Kevin Durant's career, maybe Billy Donovan found something in Kevin Durant that he could, that he'd finally use. But if Kevin Durant – plays this kind of defense on a regular basis in the regular season, this is the kind of Kevin Durant that we're looking at saying, hey, he, he might challenge LeBron for the best player in the league. And that's that's really I saying totally something. Because, yes, I totally agree. Yes, I totally agree. Because LeBron, the only reason LeBron James is head and shoulders above Kevin Durant when we talk about the top two players in the league is because of his intensity, his his ability yes. to play defense on the side of the ball, his his team, he making his team better, making this now. And, Kev, and LeBron James, let's be honest, is the modern-day Magic Johnson. Kevin Durant kind of is the modern-day Larry Bird, except, you know, the thing is, is there was times where Larry Bird was the best player on the floor. There were times where Magic Johnson was the best player on the floor. It went back and forth. It's more obvious that LeBron's better, but if Kevin Durant plays like this, woo, it turns into a back and forth. I don't know who to pick because Kevin Durant's See, totally defense is scary. It's it's insane to watch him even play this way. Like the last time I saw him play defense with this much intensity was when he played on the USA team a few years ago, and yeah. uh, I forget who they were playing, but a guy went up for the buzzer beater game winner, and Durant comes just out of nowhere with a length and just blocks a shot in the USA. I remember that. Yeah, and if Hey, if, the, if Durant can stay with this intensity, it's I think he'll win MVP next season because when he switches yes. onto players, he could get he's the guy that can get a block, pin your shot on the blackboard, backboard, give it up to Westbrook, run up the floor. Westbrook gives it back to him, and Durant gets a dunk, and he can do that all game. <laughs> and he has the length, and he just needs to play with that intensity. And like you said, I give Billy Donovan so much credit just for. The coaching yeah. changes he made, the, the way the Thunder have improved, and um, they just have made so much progress, and their best players are still getting better. That's what's scary is Durant is still getting better. We thought he was kind of at the one MVP, but yeah. he's getting better. Like Billy Donovan has made this team play much smarter, much more together. Like I like think about how long Westbrook has been has had this talent. And we all and everybody always knew he could be the best guard in the league if he just controlled it. And Billy Donovan has found a way to make Westbrook kind of control himself a little more. And he's also like lit a fire under Kevin Durant to make him play with much more defensive intensity. You know, and I just I give him a lot of credit because I, I didn't think Durant could get any better, but now it's it's scary. 
it's scary how easy he can score from anywhere. He can score on anybody. And now with him playing defense at that level, it'll be it's frightening. And honestly, LeBron should be afraid because when Durant is playing defense like that, like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how you stop him because when one thing I know about me and myself, when I'm playing defense at that level, I know I can stop somebody. When I get the ball, that gets me more confidence on offense as well. Right. So. When Durant gets it going defensively, and then you give him the ball, and he's coming down in playground mode, going between the legs, and just pull up from thirty. Like you can't stop him once he gets that going. No. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. it's frightening how good the Thunder are. I just I really I'm really excited to see this game tomorrow. I don't know who is going to win, but I, I, I it's going to be good, man. It's going to be one of the best games of the season. I know it is. Hey, every time these Western Conference games come on, they get they have more and more layers, and it just gets more and more deep when it comes to the – I mean, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy with what's going on. we got a couple more things to go. We're gonna, the, the live edition will be ending here shortly, but I do want to ask you some questions before we get out of here, Chris. So if you're listening to the live edition, uh, it's going to flip on over in just a moment. So for those of you listening live, it's going to turn off on you in a second. But we're going to go into the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, keep on listening. We'll be out of here in five minutes, guaranteed. Mellow Trimble, we, we, we saw this news story a couple of days ago, how he's going to stay at Maryland and how he's going to stay to improve his game. I think this is an unbelievable idea by him because I, I love Mellow Trimble. I think he's going to be one of the better point guards in the NBA when he, comes, when he comes into the league. What's your take on him going back to school? Do you think this is a good idea? And, and how, long, how much longer do you think he should stay before he decides to go pro? I actually wrote an article about this a few months ago, um, I do think that a lot more players should do this, should stay at least one extra year in college. Unless yes. you are guaranteed to go top ten in the draft, you should be rushing to get to the NBA because then you'll end up one of those guys that plays in the D – you'll play in a summer league and then you'll end up going to the D league and then you just disappear and wither away. You know, a lot of guys who had a lot of hype on them in, the NBA, in, in their college years just, just dis- have disappeared out of our sight. We haven't heard anything about them. The NBA isn't looking for him anymore, and they just disappear. So I think it's smart by Trimble. We all see he has a talent, he has a skill set, but it's smart to stay another year in college, another year of development to just get better. And don't get me wrong, you can't get better playing on NBA teams, but if you're you're pretty much the man in college, you're going to get a lot more minutes. You can get a lot more one-on-one time with coaches. And let's yes. be honest, they're in college and they're big D1 schools, so they're not doing too much classwork. They can go to the gym and be in there all yeah. day. So they're, they're pretty much pros without being paid yet, you know. So I think that yeah. Trimble going back to school is really one of the smartest moves you could have made. Because I, I think he would have made an impact on the team, but they probably would have had him. Any team he goes to in the league, if it's not a terrible team, would have him riding the bench at least for two years. So he might as well go back to college, have another great year, and then when he comes into the draft next season, then he's going to get picked early, and I think he'll make a bigger impact immediately. Do you think Diamond Stone's going to go to the NBA draft, or do you think he should be smart and stay as well? Ah, uh, that's a tough one. I, I think he should stay. I I, I definitely think yeah. he should stay. I think the only guys yeah. who really really should be leaving is this year top ten like Simmons, Ingram. Guys, once you hear their their name, they're already household names, they should be gone. Go. Yeah. Go 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 ahead and get get in the league and do what you can do and get paid. And definitely take that opportunity. But if your name doesn't yeah. hold that much weight, you shouldn't be in a rush, man. You should not be in a rush. 
Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you on that. And, and speaking of Ben Simmons and him potentially being the number one pick, th- okay, so this is why everyone is talking about how the 76ers are potentially going to screw up their pick. Now, as we've all been hearing, apparently the <laughs> – Apparently, the 76ers are thinking of finally of, of trading Jaleel Okafor. What? I mean, come on. I know they just got rid of their GM. I know they just got rid of, you know, they're, 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 they're changing house. They're changing the organization philosophy. They're trying to find ways to actually be successful. But what does that say to a guy who could probably be number, the number one pick in Jaleel Okafor? I mean, excuse me. Uh, I feel like I'm talking from 2015 saying these things. This is how crazy and how short-sighted this is by the, by the 76ers. And I know that it's not just Jaleel Okafor. It's guys like Nerlens Noel. They know Joel Embiid's getting healthy. So they've, they've got to make a decision decision with some of these big men but for them to think of trading Jaleel Okafor which I think would be a the one of the worst decisions they could make now granted his character hasn't really shown brightly lately but from the standpoint of him as a basketball player he is so gifted so talented and this just only speaks more to the corruption and the problems going on in Philadelphia because if you're going to trade away Jaleel Okafor and even think about doing it, granted, trading away Nerlens Noel wouldn't be a great idea either because, I mean, he's probably already <laughs> damaged goods from being in Philadelphia for so long. But, I mean, when you talk about this this chance of trading Jaleel Okafor, who was a top two, top three pick last season – What's your thought process on this, man? I, I just think I just think it's another sign for ben, for Ben Simmons to pull an Eli Manning and say, "I don't want to play for Philly. Trade me." I, man, I totally agree. I to, I would not want to play for an organization that's so just just disgruntled and discombobulated. You just they just don't know what they want to do. Every year the plan no. changes. Every year they they make a terrible choice, a terrible decision. It's just it doesn't seem like they've made any progress. They've been terrible for a long time, and they haven't made progress with all these top picks that the Seventy Sixers have had. Like that, nothing really pans out for them. So if I was a top player like like Ben Simmons, I would do or Manning. It's, oh no, I don't want to play for you. I just I don't want to because I feel like my I think that. The biggest thing for players is what team they get drafted to because a, a good player, like, okay, like Kawhi Leonard, if he didn't go to the Spurs, <laughs> I don't think he will be as, as, as highly touted as he is right now because the Spurs system yeah. has helped him be a better player. We saw how he played off the dribble and just how other small forwards are in the league. He can't compete with them if he isn't in that great system. So if, he, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't go to the Spurs, he doesn't go to the perfect team, he would have got expo- exposed. So I think that really matters a lot, a, a lot more than people pay attention to. So I think Simmons should be smart. And, oh yeah, I don't want to play. If the Seventy Sixers draft him. I definitely think they have to make. He has to make a decision, and I, I can't play there because they just aren't going anywhere fast. Like I, I would, I think if I was him, I would want to go to Boston. Like Boston, oh, yeah. they're looking good. Boston yeah. is looking really, really good with Isaiah Tom, like. Isaiah Thomas is scary good, and yeah. Avery Bradley. They have a nice backcourt. They, granted, Evan Turner is so-so, and Jared Sullinger definitely needs to drop bench some weight. Players. But they're bench players. Their bench players do need some more work, but they're another team that hey, they could be right there. And I would honestly, I would want to go anywhere, but like. Uh, Philadelphia. I don't want to play for the 76ers. I don't want to play for the Sacramento Kings. 
Like, it's just some teams I just don't want to be a part of. Like, I'd rather go to Milwaukee right. than Sacramento yeah. because they have a oh, lot yeah. more going for them than with Contatupo uh, 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 or whatever his name is. I cannot pronounce it. Contatupo. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot uh, more upside right now as a team than the 76ers do. Even with all the big men they've picked up, they just have no no progress. Nothing is happening anywhere. So, Simmons would just be crazy. He'd be insane to go there and play for them, man. I don't. I don't think you do that. You you, you can't play play for them. I I wouldn't do it. Well, I'll say and it's this, funny uh, that, you, uh, that you say this. You just I remember you saying about a week ago that they will find a way for the 76ers to screw up this pick. I remember you saying that. <laughs> yeah, there's just a, there's, they're just gonna find a way, man. It's just it's just inevitable. This is what they do. This is what the 76ers do. It doesn't. History kind of repeats itself. Granted, they're getting a new GM, so things might change. But yeah, no, they they got some problems. And what's what's really sad is from a money perspective. The Lakers, the, the, the 76ers, and the uh, Knicks, that's not all in order. But uh, those three cities are three of the biggest markets in the NBA, and they're just garbage. Like, they're all just garbage. Now, don't get me wrong, the Knicks are improving. But the Lakers are garbage. Uh, the Knicks are uh, – the, the 76ers are garbage. And, 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 the, and the telltale sign of all those organizations is their front office is terrible. Like, their front offices yeah. are absolutely horrendous. Like, I feel like they could just – they could do better by getting interns from college come in and be like, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to make a lot of money in a big city? Come here and, and help us out. Well, duh, that's all you got to do. Like, I feel like it's so much easier. But all these po- politics and things of that nature impact the team. But I will say this. As a Spurs fan, hey, 76ers, if you're willing to trade Jalil Okafor, bring him on over. We could use a skilled oh, big man to replace Tim Duncan for the Knicks. Can oh. you imagine? Can you imagine oh, Jalil Okafor, LaMarcus oh. Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard? Woo! That's, that's, that's oh. scary. Like, that's a scary future. Oh, um, but I don't, know if, I don't know if the Spurs would take on that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, immaturity because he has definitely shown some immaturity over the last couple of years since he's left college. But, but anyway, uh, oh, but speaking of a team that's starting to look like the 76ers, uh, the Houston Rockets have, re- have signed D'Antoni. Uh, oh, you talk God. about a new circus. Oh. You talk about a new circus in the NBA. Four years. $16 million, I, I will put a wager on that he won't last more than two. Because I have a feeling that this, like you said about James Harden, was a decision made that by James Harden telling the front office, they, they, they pitched it to him, hey, James, what do you think about a guy who doesn't emphasize defense and will let you do whatever you want on the basketball court because you're the star player. He let Steve Nash do it. He got Steve Nash some MVPs. How do you feel about that? Oh, yeah, man, that sounds good, man. Yeah, do it. I don't want to play defense, yeah. I'm going I'm to put up 35 points a game, and we're going to lose 30. We're going to lose 30 in the first few months of the season, man. Yeah, we're about to go 15 and we're about to go 15 and 67, and I get to keep my Adidas my Adidas contract. Yeah, man, let's do it. Yeah, that's, I'm guarantee you that's what he's doing. I think James Harden needs to seriously just shave his beard and just restart his, his career because this guy and this team, I wouldn't call this talented as all hell. The problem is, is clearly as we've seen. This team is taking a huge step back as an organization with talent yeah. that isn't. I mean, look, this team last year, and Andrew and I said it before the year, Andrew even said, and I said it too, if this team didn't make it to the Western Conference Finals, it would be a disaster, and it turned into a disaster. They had all the talent in the world, and the improvement they made last year heading into the postseason, and then getting into the postseason, turning it around on the Clippers who just beat the Spurs in an unbelievable first-round series that I thought I'd never see. It was one of the 
the greatest first-round series I've ever seen. And then the Rockets beat the Clippers, who were just on fire as a team, 3-1 and one leading the series. And the Rockets come in and beat them three games in a row. You thought at that point the Rockets were, were championship-bound, and they still couldn't beat the, beat the Warriors, which happens. I mean, hey, the Warriors won the championship. It happens. But you thought at that point the Rockets were going to bounce back ne- the next year and be an NBA championship contender by adding some guys, uh, some pieces off, you know, got, and then especially getting Ty Lawson, you know, getting guys like that, and that that hit the fan real quick. And then uh, uh, oh. Kevin, McHale, I think I think the moment they fired Kevin McHale was the moment that I was knew, the especially beginning. as a person following. That was the beginning. And Dwight Howard now walking around doing therapy sessions with TNT and Ellen and all that stuff off the court. <laughs> you know, you got things like that happening, and it's just it's turning into a soap opera. And the only the only thing that would make it better now is if one of the Kardashians became a front office manager of the Rockets. I'm telling you, that's oh the only God. thing that would make it better. It's turning into like this organization is starting to take the same route as. And what's funny is, is they're a top five market in the NBA, which is funny because all these top markets are turning into trash. And and this is another market that's starting to look that way. I, what doesn't make sense to me is that the Rockets, a lot like the Lakers, a lot like the Knicks. A lot like the 76ers. I wouldn't say the 76ers because you got to give – I mean, Brett Brown, it's not really his fault. The front office is really screwing him over. But these organizations with these, these cap rooms and this ability to spend money and whatnot and all that, they're just, they're just getting coaches that don't fit in with them. D'Antoni hasn't been jack crap since that great run by the Suns about six, seven years ago. That brand of the NBA is gone. This is a whole it's different gone. league now. And since and since that year when when they had Dwight Howard and Kobe uh, in LA in 2012 2013, when that team didn't work out, you kind of knew that his time was up in the NBA. Guys like Don Nelson don't have places in the NBA anymore because his system didn't work anymore. Phil Jackson doesn't work in the NBA anymore. His system doesn't work anymore. Some guys fade out. I don't understand the the the. the, the the love for D'Antoni and his ability to try and get teams up and running when it just isn't going to work. What's your take on this one before we get out of here? Oh, my God. I, I literally was thinking about writing another article on the Houston Rockets because I've just been following their demise the entire season. And I was so disappointed when they let go of Mikhail because I think he was a great coach. And when things yeah. weren't going right – they, the first thing they did was, oh, well, let's get rid of our coach. And I think that coach get, coaches really get – they get the, the short end of the stick all the time, man, because when things are going good, they give the credit to the star player. As soon as it goes bad, the first thing they do is get rid of the coach. And it's just it – was, it was terrible. And I think that the biggest issue for the Rockets is their two best players are terrible leaders. Dwight Howard and James Harden are terrible leaders, terrible in the locker room, in the media, just everything they do is just it's, – it's bad. It's not – they don't do anything that would uh, positively affect their team and lead them in right. the right direction. Like, uh, James Harden just isn't focused enough on the defensive end, and, and you as a leader, if you aren't playing defense and you aren't playing your hardest and putting your heart on the floor, you can't expect the, the guy at the end of the bench to do, to do it if, if you're not doing it. So it's kind of like a trickle-down effect. However your, your star players are playing – the bench players are going to play the same way. And that, that, that showed right. this season. And, and Dwight Howard is just so unfocused, and I don't think basketball is his top priority. And that shows as well. So I think that that causes a bigger issue, you know, with with the whole organization when your two best players aren't competing. When they aren't, first of all, when they aren't completely competing at a high level and when they aren't great leaders. Kobe wasn't a great leader, 
but he was at least a good leader. He, his tactics tactics weren't well, but he loved winning so much. He was willing to do anything to get the win. And sometimes that did cause a little uh, ruckus or, you know, hurt some feelings. But it was much better than doing things the way James Harden does oh, or Dwight Howard, like you said, the therapy sessions. And it, it, it's just the Rockets are going down the wrong path. I don't see it turning around. I don't. Yeah, it's really bad, and it's really tough. Hey, we're out of here. The show's going to wrap up in about 30 seconds. Thank you again for listening to episode 145. Chris, thanks, man. Hey, this was a good time. We'll, we'll, hopefully you can jump on on Tuesday, and we'll recap these series, man. Hey, what do you say? Definitely, man. I'll be on next week. Hell yeah, let's do it. Hey, last last show of May will be on Tuesday. We're going to do Tuesday, Thursday shows the rest of the way. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and stay safe. And uh, give praise to those out there who deserve it. Thank you again, everybody. Have a good one. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.